0: PointClickFish.com Your connection to the saltwater fishing community brings you Saltwater Fishing Radio. Are you a professional tournament angler, fishing captain, or novice angler looking to learn from the pros?
1: Listen to live discussions from some of the best in the industry. The biggest TV fishing stars. Interviews with captains, sponsors, and fishing teams.
0: Your trusted source for the latest tournament updates, industry news, and interviews. It's time to talk fishing with your host,
2: Captain Jay. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the PointClickFish dot com Saltwater Fishing Radio Show. We've got an excellent show here this evening and also don't have a familiar force back with us here in the com studio. Wayne, welcome back, buddy.
1: Captain Jay, good to be back in the studio with you. Looking forward to a great show tonight. And uh, Happy New Year, everyone. 2016 is uh, kicking off, to be, starting out to be a great year.
2: I'd say 2015 was a great year for us, a lot of building and uh, a lot of new um technology equipment uh, event coming up here in 2016, but we definitely want to do a recap of uh, 2015 for Point Click Fish. Um, Great year, Wayne, and being able to talk about it, uh, definitely kind of looking back at all the events that we did and the places we had gone and the things we've done, it makes me tired looking at it, you know? it's, It's a lot of traveling, but it's definitely a lot of fun at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, as much as we're looking forward to this new year that's coming up, it's always important to reflect and look back, and some of the success that you guys had last year, we'll certainly have time in the show tonight to talk a little bit about that, but we also have to mention that, you know, 2015 was just a, a great year to be on the water, just, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of great fisheries that were, um, you know, really made a good showing for themselves, including, of course, one of my favorites, something we've talked about quite a bit in the past for our regular listeners, is the... Uh, you know, the old drum fishery on, on the Pamlico sound this past year was just a just epic you know not only the natural natural baits that were kind of the traditional message but certainly you know, a lot of captains and a lot of you know novice anglers even really took to uh targeting those fish with artificial lures um i know you had a chance to do some of that this past uh, year and i had a chance to get out on the water with my nephew and put him on his first ever old drum so it's uh you know, just a special fishery, and we, we certainly want to spend some time tonight recapping that uh, that season. And I think we've got a special guest calling in to share some information with us about his first time uh, targeting those fish on the Pamlico. He certainly caught quite a few of them over the years, but I think he was impressed by some of the stuff that happened out there on the water with you, isn't that right?
2: Absolutely, we can't definitely can't uh, not talk about 2015 and uh, our year with. Mark Davis from Penn's Big Water Adventure uh, being able to get out on the water with him this year uh, to be able to bring him into North Carolina into our area um, and be able to experience his fishery. Um, We definitely are excited to have Mark on the show with us this evening. Mark, we're going to bring you live on the air. Mark, welcome to the PointClickFish.com Saltwater Radio Show.
0: You got me, guys?
2: We got you loud and clear,
0: Mark. Good deal, good deal. Well, uh, you know, I was sitting here listening to you guys talking about that old drum trip, and it's kind of interesting. Um, before we get into that, the old drum, uh, I guess you'd call them old drum where I'm at right now. We just filmed, you know, we start talking about years, and I just filmed the first episode of Big Water Adventures, 2017 season. The 2016 season that the North Carolina old drum episode is on is just going to be airing here soon. But uh, I'm I'm literally sitting in my truck at Cobia Villas in Venice, Louisiana, which is some condos, the Mexican Gulf Fishing Company, boys, me up with when I come down here, yellowfin fishing. But I actually was fishing with Captain David Iverson inshore, and, um, you know, I, it's kind of funny. It, it messes with your head. You were talking about reflecting on 2015, and for television – that means filming for 16, and now I'm sitting here talking about what we did in 15 that's airing in 16 while filming for 17. <laughs> so put your mind around all that, and let's talk about some old drum in North Carolina.
2: Well, I tell you, Mark, when, when I was bringing you on the show, I, I was saying how much we travel, but you take it to a whole new level of a Big Water Adventures. You travel a, a ton of miles a year all over the the world, the country, I mean, you stay busy, so you definitely stay on the road far more than we do throughout the year.
0: Well, you know, it's funny, because you've been on me about this old drum fishery since we met, and I met Captain Mitch for the first time when we came down there and fished, and, you know, it, the one thing I can tell you is, two. well, really, the two things I can tell you, I don't know how I missed it, and I was utterly floored. I mean, you're right, I've caught a lot of red drum And I've caught them pretty much everywhere they swim From Mexico to as far north as they go But I had missed that old drum fishery I, You know, where we were in the Noose River And I, I'm going to tell you that to, to this day And if you want a, I guess a, a citation from Big Water Adventures Not only did you catch The biggest red drum I've ever seen Or old drum, as y'all call them On Big Water Adventures You caught the biggest old drum I've ever seen In my life And I think between you and Captain Mitch, you guys got it done in the first 10 minutes that we literally put the trolling motor in the water. And in the background, we had to cut my microphone because I'm pretty good about controlling what I say and when I say it. And I was completely just talking to myself, stumbling around the back of the boat when I saw that five-gallon bucket head come up with lips. Um, (laughs) It's amazing the size of those Fish. I mean, we, we legitimately, and, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you're making that up, you're making that up. Well, let me tell you, tune in to the Big Water Adventures episode on the Noose River with Captain Mitch and com's own Jay Fimester, and you will see 50-pound-plus easily red drum, old drum, lots of them, caught all on blabbermouth popping corks and artificial, just like we do in Louisiana, only i got to give it to you. They're about twenty pounds bigger, average.
2: Yeah, I tell you, we when we started filming, we kicked it off
0: quick, and you know that intensity
2: just kept up the whole time that we that we did it. I mean, trip. I'm excited to I'm excited to see the show because I mean there was so much. I mean there was so much there. I mean it, it's going to be well, amazing and.
0: Yeah, it's it, that fishery is absolutely unbelievable. And you know, I know you told me we hit the weather right, and we hit the you know whether it's the whatever you want to call it, the time they're there, the migration, the the period that they're there, whatever we did. If I never do that again, I mean, it. it Big water adventures. You're right. We go from Alaska to Panama, East Coast, West Coast, Gulf Coast, inshore, offshore, everything from flounder to black marlin, and a lot of it in a season, fifty plus species. Take it from me, those of you in North Carolina and the Outer Banks area up there, you've got one of the most amazing fisheries I've ever been to and I've ever seen and one of the top if not the top when it's going off red drum fisheries that I've ever seen.
2: My it's definitely amazing and I'm excited. I'm excited to see it and <laughs> you know, you <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go, you know. I'm ready to You're see ready it tonight. I'm ready to go again. Absolutely. I think it was uh, amazing. But, you know, one of the things, Mark, is you travel and go to all these great places, I mean, is there a certain species that you kind of keep drum, you know, that you're drawn to that's like one of the most exciting to catch? I mean, is there one that kind of sticks out for you as you travel to all these different places and catch all these different species?
0: Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm a ground fisherman at heart. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know about me. I started on a headboat. And, you know, I worked my way up on a headboat. I literally stepped on a boat to go fishing in the ocean for the first time at the age of 21. And I went back to the headboat that I had initially stepped foot on and begged my way into a job as a part-time deckhand and then went to full-time deckhand and then went part-time mate, full-time mate, first mate, part-time captain, full-time captain. And I have a soft place in my heart for digging. Um, I love ground fish and I'm totally indiscriminate. If you can drop me into a hundred feet of water, 200 feet of water, even deep dropping now, I've kind of gotten addicted to that with manual. I like dropping into a thousand feet of water with manual and catching snowies and tile fish and wreck fish and all the cool stuff there. But I'd say if you were going to give me a trip and just say, Hey, let's just go out and have some fun. I'd want to drop something down to the bottom, get my arms broke and win about half the time and lose the other half.
2: Well, I tell you, that's definitely an exciting fishery as well to be able to get that fight and send that bait to the bottom and come up with something that hopefully it uh, takes you a while to get it up, right?
0: Sure. And, I mean, you know, the the pelagics are awesome. Um, You know, we do, like I said, we're fortunate to go to, you know, like Tropic Star in Panama. And where I am right now, I mean, I went with Captain Kevin Beach with the Mexican Gulf Fishing Company guys. I think it was. Either a two year I think it was two years ago, and we just happened to hit it right, and we had blue marlin, sailfish, uh, jumped off. I think another, I think it was a, I believe it was a, a white marlin we jumped off as well, and then we had 21 species total, including yellowfin tuna, wahoo's, dolphin, cobias. So you know all that stuff when you go out in the ocean after pelagics. Not to say that I don't like pelagics as much as I like groundfish or even those old drum, you know. It's tough for me to nail it down, but I almost have to go back to what gave me my start. And, I mean, you know me well enough to know I came from, you know, fishing bass and fishing freshwater and still do some of that, you know, on my own time for fun. But when I first stepped on that offshore boat, that head boat with 80 other people and stood on the rail with a 6 and an Electromate reel, and dropped squid down to the bottom, and had stuff that almost jerked me over the rail, and didn't know what half of it was when I brought it back up. That was really probably the the welding force that absolutely bonded me to the ocean.
1: Yeah, well, it's especially definitely exciting <laughs> when when you're dropping deep dropping, and you you never really know what you're going to catch. Nope,
0: nope's like Christmas every single time. <laughs> <laughs> So you were talking about 2015. Let me ask you a question, Jay, since since you're usually the interviewer. Was there anything that you did that stands out in your mind? Because the only reason I'm asking is I've got another trip that I haven't scheduled yet for next year uh, that we're going to film this year. I'd love to know if there's anything you did this year that was any more exciting than that old drum show that we did.
2: You know what? I'm I'm going to have to say no. That 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 literally. I mean, <laughs> everything lined up perfect for that show, Mark. I mean, everything from the the fish to the weather to the the time. Every 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 bit of that lined up perfect, and it was just one of those, like you said, kind of amazing experiences. Where everything came together, and who knows if every bit of that will come together in all of those ways the next time, but. You never know, but it was absolutely perfect the way that worked out. So no, I'm going to have oh, to yeah. say that, that that topped it.
0: Yeah, you, now, you of, need to give a shout out to our captain too,
2: Captain Mitchell Blake. Cap- fish on I tell you, it, we, it was it worked out. and with the timing of it, it worked out perfect. And, and and as soon, I mean, within five minutes, Mark, we were on fish. Literally five minutes.
0: Yeah, well, you caught as i said the biggest the biggest red drum old drum bull drum whatever you want to call him um you know i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there because i know you you won't you won't throw a weight at it but we all on the boat agreed that a, a, an old drum the two grown men one of them's holding the tail they're both holding shoulder width apart the other one's holding the head uh it was 65 pounds plus if it was an ounce and when that that thing came up it was just amazing utterly amazing
1: uh, a lot of people really don't
0: realize, but you look at the world record
1: books, and the, the largest red drum ever measured and caught was caught right out of Cape Hatteras, right at ninety-four pounds. So, yes, sir, it you know, doesn't surprise me to hear that y'all had an epic day out there. That is a, uh, a really fun fishery, and I'm glad you had a chance to get on it, for change. And uh, the only other thing that here in eastern North Carolina on the, the inshore waters that it gets as much attention as that old drum fishery, and we had a decent year this year with them, Was but Cape Lookout and Harper's Island is, is well known for the false albacore rush that comes through. Of course, a lot of the offshore crowd is not real into the false albacore, but we get, you know, fly fishermen from, from all over the world and light tackle fishermen from all over the world that come into our area in October and November to uh, to target those false albacore that come up and just, just bust bait on the surface for 15, 20 minutes straight
0: sometimes. So that's a... That's another
1: fun fishery you should look into if you get the chance to get back to good old North Carolina.
0: I will absolutely do that. Let me ask you guys a question, just out of curiosity, because it's you know, Jay hit me uh, the the last interview that we had with um, the catch and kill tournaments on billfish, and I think we had a good dialogue on that. Even though he should have given me the questions ahead of time, but we've had discussions about that. <laughs> right, Jay? Um, I just I'm just curious: are, is is the ARS uh, the American Red Snapper issue, I mean, you know, I've talked to guys down in Texas and Louisiana and Alabama and Florida and all the way up the coast. Is it as much an issue up North Carolina up your way? Are people talking about it? Or is it, you know, I mean, is that just something that's pretty much south of you guys?
2: We
1: we definitely hear quite a bit about it from the uh from the guys on the boats around here. I I went out not last year but the year before and we talked just some some beautiful fish and ended up having to vent them and let them go back down. And yep. you just hear a lot of, uh, you know, you hear a lot of a lot of frustration and a lot of concern from, from the guys who target those fish, knowing that when you're, you know, you're out there targeting other species, you're going to catch some. And and it seems as if, you know, at least from what I saw that day and from what the guys that are out there on a regular basis see, that the fishery is, you know, at, at a sustainable level to where, you know, you hate to let, let a fish like that go that you don't know, you know, if it's going to survive or not, and beautiful, you know, big, nice fish. So there's certainly a lot of concern and a lot of discussion on the uh, the offshore head boats and the, the bottom and fishermen out here about it. And really what I've heard them saying was they'd like to see it, you know, really managed by science and true science, not people in the office making regulations, if you know what I mean.
0: Right. Well, it's pushed a lot of guys, you know, that's really honestly what got me started deep dropping, The headboats had two choices to go out of business. I mean, when, you know, the regulations such as they are, when you start looking at the grouper fisheries, and I mean, aggregate red groupers, black groupers, gag groupers, all of them, look at all the amberjacks and, you know, the regulations that are there, all the snappers that are being regulated. The interesting thing to think about is, you know, I started on that headboat in about 93 And had I started on that headboat about 10 to 15 years later, I wouldn't have started on that headboat because it moved down to the Gulf to be a crew boat on an oil rig because there wasn't anything to go out and catch for a hundred dollars anymore. So there's a, there's a whole, you know, we always talk about let's get young anglers into fishing and let's get novice anglers into fishing. But the headboats were really the only way to get, you know, your average person that didn't have a lot of money to spend and didn't do it every day and didn't have the opportunities a a bus for lack of a better way to put it to take them offshore and let them do the things that the people with the, you know, the, the 40 foot sport fishers and all that could do. And now it's really disappearing. I mean, I, with the traveling, I mean, Jay knows the network that I've got. I mean, it's what makes big water adventures what it is. He's a perfect example when I needed a, you know, a show in North Carolina, I called Jay and look what we got. But what I'm finding is, especially with the head boats, you know, that are the, the, the only way they can make a living is to get anywhere from, you know, if they're six pack, that's more of a sport fisher. Once you start getting into 10, 20, you know, the boat that I was on was a 110 footer and could take 80 people out a day. So they could charge at the time, $50 a head to 75, you know, on the weekend to go out and catch all those species that now are off limits. And, you know, I understand that, that you need to go ahead and regulate those those fisheries and those species But it's almost like we went from real liberal with not much regulation back in 93 when I started to where if you would have told me back then what the limits or really the closures would be now, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said there's no way. And and we just reached a dead stop where we're at critical mass, and there's a lot of boats going further offshore to target species that, you know, like we talked about, tilefish and stuff like that. But, you know, as well as I do, the regulations are going to fall on those as well, and you're going to lose even more.
1: Oh, absolutely, we. It's certainly one of the first ways I ever had the chance to go out and do any offshore bottom fishing or any offshore fishing at all. And we've got three. ha three head boats here in the Moorhead City area, and unfortunately, one of them has taken off and left the area, and we've only got two left. And you know, the the thing that I was, I was talking to some of the mates on the boat, and what they were telling me is that the researchers who manage the fishery, they have to fish set coordinates. They don't necessarily move the way that right. the head boats do. They're not. You know, so, and and those guys, I hate to say it, I've got a science, marine biology degree, science background, but they're they're sitting in the office 340 days out of the year. If, if you right. really want to manage this fishery, you have to work with the people who are on the water 340 days out of the year, and you have to be willing to move away from a set coordinate, knowing that fish have tails and they swim. It just when right, I heard right. the whole story, it was really frustrating to me to think that, you know, that we, we weren't. Relying on and partnering with the guys that are on the water on a regular basis, instead we're you know relying on people who aren't on the water that much. I, I don't think we have a good understanding, you know.
0: And 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 that's why you know businesses like Point Click Fish. I mean, I'm not giving y'all a plug. I'm being dead serious. You guys are as important as any resources. I mean, you, you know, look at the publications that are out there, the websites that are out there. The problem that you have is there's not a whole lot of data shared. You know, I don't yeah. know. I didn't know there were three head boats in Moorhead City, and you guys don't know how many are in Port Mansfield, Texas. And nobody knows what's going on with the ARSs in Texas outside of Texas because unless they read Texas Fish and Game or it happens to be covered in one of the national publications. And then once you get away from the coast, the people inland don't know because they can still get red snapper at public. So they don't even know they're shut down because they don't go to the coast to catch their own red snapper. And what ends up happening is, is the regulations and legislations just keep rolling. And for, before you know it, people are going, but wait a minute, that means I don't have a business anymore.
1: The uh, I get frustrated sometimes. It, it becomes, you know, almost like politics. It is fisheries politics at the end of the day, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of need for anglers to be educated on, on what's going on out there. And again, to me, the, the biggest issue that, that I see and I deal with is that, you know, we've just got to, I don't understand why there's not more partnership with the guys that are on the water on a regular basis, but. Hopefully they'll get a grip on it. Um, you hate to see it putting good people out of business and and get, not having the opportunity for for anglers to get out there. Like you say, you can go for a hundred bucks a day and spend the whole day out there on the trip and catch a whole mess of fish to bring back for dinner. And you know, but to see them vent and release these three or four beautiful you know American reds, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know.
0: Yep, and to watch that, probably 30 more follow each one of them up to the surface in most of the states. Yep. But, well, well, listen, guys, I just wanted to bring that up um, just because I thought it was something we ought to talk about. I didn't want to put a downer on the show.
2: How about we? I'm sure
0: Jay's got a list of questions he wants to blindside me with, so <laughs> fire away. <laughs>
2: no, I, I, you know, obviously we love your passion and, the, you know, the amount of effort that you, your whole team puts into Big Water Adventures, but I wanted to, to let people know if they haven't, uh, if they didn't know this or if they haven't seen it, that uh, you guys at Big Water Adventures were nominated as best fishing show in the Outdoor Sportsman's Awards, which obviously used yep. to be the Golden Miss Award. So I want to congratulate uh, you and your team on that, uh, that honor to be able to be nominated, and hopefully we can watch you uh, hopefully accept this award this year, Mark.
0: We are professional bridesmaids, brother. Um, we have been nominated for that every year. I've had Big Water Adventures, and we won it once. But, you know, I mean, this year, even more so than last year, I mean, the Golden Moose Awards are tough enough. The Outdoor Channel's got, you know, some amazing programming and some phenomenal shows. This year, you know, several of my friends and peers with other shows were nominated. Carter Andrews, you know, we both know the obsession of Carter Andrews and Dave Mercer, FAX Fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, the Money Fish guys, the Hook guys, I mean, there's some – jam up shows out there, and by opening it up, you know, as as you said, going from the Golden Moose Awards to the the Sportsman's Awards, now you've got the Sportsman's Channel, the Outdoor Channel, and WFN, and just to be nominated, I think they nominated 12 shows and I just named three others, but to be in the top 12 of those three networks, and I don't even know how many shows, there's got to be more than 100, probably closer to 200, it's it's an honor to be nominated, but you're right. I, I've, I've done this. <laughs> I've gone to SHOT Show every year. I've gone to the the Golden Moose Awards every year, and every year I think, man, we ought to win it. And at Golden Moose Awards, it was top five, but that was just Outdoor Channel. And, you know, I can't say that the, the shows that have won it, I mean, Bill Dance wins it. Bill Dance is a legend. There's people that have never fished a day in their life know who Bill Dance is, so I sure can't begrudge him that. But I'm hoping one of these years, you know, somebody will flip the coin enough times to where, you know, my heads or tails comes up.
2: Well, we definitely uh, want to congratulate you on that honor for being nominated, and we look forward to following the progress and hopefully, uh, like you said, being able to to stand up there on the stage and get that award. But one of the things, Mark, as you go, and like you said, you've already started filming uh, 17 and 16 just started. Um, as you go for, and get ready for a new season or start a new season, what do you do to prepare for that new season and new ideas, new fish? Like what what goes to your head to prepare for that new season when you start filming?
0: Well, I start with a lot of prescription medication. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, the only reason I say that, people don't realize if, if not, but for my wife and my daughter, I'd probably already be nuts. You know, it, it when you wa when you tune in Saturday morning, you see a, you know, a real slick production and you see the culmination of, you know, we, we don't try to pretend that it was done in one day. If it was done in one day, we tell you it was done in one day. If it was done in two days, we tell you, if it was done in four days, we tell you, but the goal is to make 30 minutes of entertainment where, you know, I always, I, I've told you this, the Dances with Wolves analogy, you know, I chose my age, but when you went in to see the Dances with Wolves movie, you were in the theater, and it started, it was one of the first movies I ever saw that started at 3.30 in the afternoon, I couldn't figure out why, it didn't start at 7.30 at night, it started at 3.30, so you go in, and it's daylight, you come out, and it's dark, and you're thinking to yourself, that was a great movie, but how long was I in there? That four and a half hours went by like it was nothing. And that's what we want to do with Big Water Adventures. We try to do ADD entertainment. So what I end up doing when I look at the season, you know, you heard me say it, and I've parroted it so many times I've memorized it, Alaska to Panama, East Coast, West Coast, Gulf Coast, inshore and offshore, 50-plus species a year. That's what we hit. So I'm going to look to go the geography route, which means that I cover a bunch of, you know, varied destinations that are not right on top of each other. I'm looking to do inshore and offshore almost equally, if not you know, slightly um, uh, skewed one direction or the other. I'm going to definitely target 50-plus species a year, and I'm going to go to East Coast, West Coast, and Gulf Coast and usually do about three shoots a year out of the country, sometimes four. Now, we do 13 original episodes and it's really only me and a cameraman and a producer is about the only thing it is. I'm 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 the ultimate small business owner. I, I don't have big, slick production companies. I sell my own show. I work with the networks. I you know, work with the sponsors, do all the contracts. I'm the executive producer of the show. It's a pretty much 24-7 passion that you've got to have to make it look like what it looks like on Saturday morning. But what I try to Ultimately, do sponsors, destination, geography, species, everything aside. I try to think to myself, what would I want to watch? What will make an entertaining show, and what will keep people coming back to Big Water Adventures? And we go from there.
2: Well, I, I definitely think that that uh, that recipe is definitely definitely works because the shows, you know, not just not but just because that we're friends, but it's uh, the show's great. And it shows, and that passion shows while you're there hosting on the show as well. And I think people can see that, and they see that it's, you know, true and genuine. And I definitely think that um, you do a fantastic job at that. And I I definitely mean that, not just because you're you're on the show here with us, but I definitely feel that way.
0: Well, the the other really critical thing is, you know, business is business, and when I'm on a shoot, I mean, Jay, you can attest, it is most definitely not not like visiting Disney World with your grandmother. But by the same token, we're trying to get a, a show done, and there's things we've got to get done. But the most important thing is I'm always going to the best destinations with the best people to do that job. I mean, like, you know, I named off the top of my head, I could probably give you Kevin Beach's cell phone number and David. Iverson's cell phone number here in Venice, Louisiana, off the top of my head. They've become friends, but they're also business partners. You know, they're the best offshore and the best inshore that you can get. I asked you for the very best that you can get. You gave me Captain Mitchell Blake. He obviously delivered on the Neuse River. But I knew to talk to you as a friend and a business partner. And the success of Big Water Adventures at the end of the day is 100%. In a partnership with all the wonderful places we go and the wonderful people that that make it what it is, I always have a co-host, and it's really about where we are, who we're going with, and what they've got there. And that's why so many people make phone calls wanting to go do it, because I don't get any special treatment. What you see on the show, you can go on any given day. When those old drummers are in, Captain Mitch pounds the fool out of them things like nobody's business, and you can go do the exact same thing. That's what makes big water adventures really neat. Is that all I'm doing is just being a tour guide, showing you the best places and the best people on the planet to catch whatever species we're going
1: after. Uh, regardless
0: of the connections that you've got, your passion for fishing definitely
1: comes across on the show, and I have to think that that's got a uh, you know a lot to do with the success too. It's not like you're out there wearing a bikini, after all. You're a you know you're passionate <laughs> angler. A- and- <laughs> I'm not a pretty
0: man, Wayne. <laughs> well,
1: you're you're a, you're, a, you're a passionate angler though, and you love fishing, and and it takes somebody like that to make a show successful too. So you know, we yes, I, I just enjoy watching it myself, and as I learn about the different destinations you go to, I also feel like each episode I learn a little bit about you.
0: I appreciate that, brother, and I I can assure you, you know, another thing, Jay will tell you is there's really no subtleties about me and what you see on television is pretty much how I am day to day. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'm not real good at acting. I never have been. I can't fake smile. I can't fake laugh. Uh, everything you see on that show is raw 100% emotion and I'm, I'm putting it out there for you.
2: Reality TV. Yes, sir. Mark, what's, uh, what's next for you? I, I know you said earlier that you're uh, in Louisiana now, but what, what's next for you? Where do you go from here? And, um, you know, what What uh, what great things is Big Water is doing here, Sick?
0: Well, to start my next shoot, um, I believe he's been on your show, Captain Jamie Huff. Uh, you know, he won the Redfish Tour last year. And yeah. in a nutshell, we got started talking, and I think it's going to be a pretty cool deal. I'm going to go down to Delacroix, which is right across the river. I'm going to go down to Delacroix and fish with him the first part of February and kind of retrace the steps and the areas and the thought processes and everything that went into him winning the redfish tour, which I think will be a really cool storyline. Cause as you know, I mean, Jamie's a very animated character and, and very good mm-hmm. on television. And, and that for him was absolutely, well, it would be for anybody. I mean, that's the Bassmasters classic of redfish. So, you know, I mean, for him to win that, I, you know, I almost felt obligated, to do a show and kind of showcase you know what he did where he did and how he did it and it's got a little bit of a twist he's actually started guiding a little bit down there and some of his team members with uh redfish mafia are are guiding down there as well so it's going to be one of those deals that you know just because you see us down there doing it same thing you can tune into big water adventures make a phone call and go down there and duplicate exactly what we did um and then if i remember correctly after that I try to stay south. You know, it's kind of reversed where the toilets are flowing the other direction below the equator. So um, as far as seasons, I go to um, Crocodile Bay, Costa Rica, and I think I'm actually going to focus. We've done pelagics the last couple of years, but I think I'm actually going to try to focus on their deep dropping fishery that they've got there. We kind of played around with it a couple of years ago, and I caught a fish called a Cabrilla Alita Rojo, which is a red fin grouper that looked like a Warsaw and weighed about 75 pounds, and we weren't really working that hard at it in about 800 feet of water. So I think I'm going to revisit that. And then, of course, we go for the very first time to Tropic Star Lodge in peak black marlin season. We usually go when their, quote, unquote, inshore fisheries are going off, which are wahoo and um, kubera snappers and rooster fish and stuff like that. But Albert uh, wanted me to go right dead in the middle of Black Marlin season because, believe it or not, that's one of the best places in the world to catch a Black Marlin. And so far, I've gone, I think, 0 for 8 on Black Marlin, and my total time on the reel might have been two minutes. So I've not been real lucky with the Blacks, and Albert has made it his own personal quest to make sure that I get one tied up and grab the bill.
2: You, you've got a date with a with a with a black marlin.
0: Hopefully, I do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've seen I've I've seen four or five at Tropic Star explode on the baits, skyrocket out of the water. You know, a couple of them bill wrap, a couple of them spit the hooks immediately. But the you know the blacks down there that time of year run anywhere from four to six hundred pounds. They're giant, and you, you've got boats going out. And as it's, it's crazy as it sounds, look it up they're doing anywhere from four to six shots a day on blacks, you know, when it's good. And I, it's just been one of those species that is, you know, I've shown them to you numerous times. If I show them to you, you know, they count in terms of you saw them, but we've never grabbed the bill on one on big water adventures yet. And that's kind of the goal. Albert made it his personal quest for me to come down there and do that.
2: Well, we definitely, uh, Hopefully, the next time we have you on the show, you can talk about how you were able to do that, because um, it definitely yes, sounds sir. like kind of kind of setting setting the uh, the tone there for you to get down there and hopefully do it. So we look forward to you uh, coming back on here and telling us that your black Merlin story and trout us to our lodge. Yes, Mark, sir. I'm forward you, to it. We always appreciate you joining us, but I got I have a I have a question for you there, real quick. All right. Uh, yeah. we know we know you're you're on the road. And we, well, well, wait we a minute. Let me stop on. you.
0: Let me let me stop you right there. If it's what fine gaff do I like to throw into a billfish, I'm not going to answer the question.
2: <laughs> no, this one <is>, this <laughs> will be easy for you. This will be easy for you to answer. But definitely, uh, the listeners will definitely like to hear what you have to say. But you know, you work with some awesome sponsors and you get to use some awesome equipment when you travel and use this equipment. What's some of the the newer equipment that you've gotten to use that you think people need to go check out or use when they're fishing?
0: Man, you know, it's it's funny. Um, every year there's a learning curve on everything because the, the sponsors, my job is obviously to use the products. If you stop and think what I said, you know, when you and I filmed, it was in 2015 for 16, which is airing now. And I'm already shooting now in 16, just starting for 17. So you can imagine I get the newest products and I get them, you know, as far in advance as the sponsors can get them to me, because if they've got a product that's going to come out in fall of 16, then that means that I need to be shooting with it right now because my shows are going to start airing in 17 a couple of months later. So of course, you know, Penn comes out with new products every year. Um and anytime that, that that they do, there's always small improvements. You know, their big one this year that is actually airing on the show that's going on right now is the Clash uh spinning reel. And we've been doing a lot with that mm-hmm. for the smaller sizes and the and the larger sizes. And down here I was filming with the Battalion Inshore Rod. That combination they just keep getting lighter. It's amazing to me that the whole thing keeps getting lighter. You keep getting a higher range of, of heavier drag pressure. In other words, from minimum to maximum, you get a, a bigger range on smaller and smaller reels every year. Um, which I use braided line. I'm you know I'm I'm always using Seaguar Threadlock or Smackdown, so I don't need a large reel in terms of line capacity because of the braided line. But it's making it easier and easier and easier to use smaller and smaller reels because you can put 350, 400 yards of braid on a reel that, you know, three years ago you'd have had to go up three sizes. So it's amazing the drag pressures, how smooth they're getting, how light they're getting. You know, then you get into the really technical stuff. Ray Marine, you know, the, the side scan that they've got now, I know you've done a couple of shows with them on that on the technical side but let me go ahead and just tell you from a professional end user side they hooked that stuff up on my boat uh, a couple months ago and i've been playing with it and i'll give you a little hint if you've never used that stuff at home you need to reverse engineer it don't go out and try to find let's say you're going striper fishing you know don't go out and try to find stripers with side scan if you're looking for menhaden looking for a school of bait if you've never used it before don't try to do it that way. What you need to do is wait till you're in a situation. First thing, you can go down docks and you can go down stuff you can see with your naked eye above the waterline. But the way to learn how to use that stuff really, really well, and what I did on this trip specifically, is I waited until I saw redfish where we were fishing today, well, two days ago. You could see them, visibly see them chasing bait as soon as I would see one chasing bait I'd look down at that and be able to see what the signature was and what it looked like on the screen. And that's the way if you reverse, you know, design, you essentially look at what you're looking at with your naked eye at the water line, turn that on and look at what your signatures are, and that'll allow you to go and, and learn how to use it. Um other technology besides that, you know, we you saw firsthand the you know the uh the new trolling motor motor guy came out with the X I five. Um, You saw that on our Erie Media event, you know, how you can essentially set a course with it. You can control your speed. You can anchor with it. I mean, it can be blowing, and and it's amazing with that 101-pound thrust. You can hold that boat in place with no problem whatsoever. All you just do is hit a button and anchor. All the things that we learned how to do over time, that's the neat thing. Where average anglers don't have 200 days on the water to hone their skills, the companies from electronics to rods and reels to trolling motors, they're just making it easier and easier. Um, You know, you don't necessarily have to learn how to do so many things because the manufacturers are getting so much easier or so much better at making them easier for you to learn. Um, Now on to the stupidity side of it. I almost came back in because I had a brand-new Suzuki 300 on the back, and when I started the motor... It was a you know brand new motor everything started and everything was fine I hit the throttle only to rev it up to make you know make sure everything was good well it started shaking unbeknownst to me they put a governor on there so idiots like me wouldn't rev a motor up too high in neutral so if it went over 1500 RPMs it it would start to you know stall out by design so that you couldn't rev it up that high Well, that's the kind of technology that an idiot like me doesn't understand because I thought something was wrong with the motor. And fortunately, there was somebody standing on the dock to tell me, no, you dummy, there's a governor on that thing to where you're not supposed to rev it up that high. So technology, you know, is increasing so quickly with the products that we're using. You know, you look at baits today and baits 10 years ago, and, you know, any given bait, you know, take a Yozuri crystal minnow a mullet will come up to it and try to breed it it looks just like one you know it's amazing the things that they're coming up with every single aspect of your fishing existence gets improved by the manufacturers every year and i've got some of the best sponsors in the business i mean it's you know literally from every aspect of what i do i see improvements year to year and normally i'm one of the first ones to have to test that stuff out so it's trial by fire
2: Well, you know, that equipment is so important to what you do or any angler does when they're on the water is that you don't utilize the right equipment for the job or leverage technology in some cases to help give you an advantage. It it, yep. it definitely makes things difficult for you on the water. So, I mean, that's some oh, yeah, great I mean, advice. Oh,
0: yeah, I mean, the, the the Ray Marine that we were doing today, uh, you know, David Iverson, I mean, he's he is the reason that I've learned what I've learned about Venice and Shore but I was running to spots like a big dog today because when I got the new boat that I've got, my new blue wave, all I had to do with my new, new Ray Marine and my old Ray Marine was transfer all the waypoints and even more importantly in Venice, Louisiana, the trails. So I had all the trails to every everywhere that we were going to go. So if you saw me jetting up and down through the cuts and all the places that we had to go to get where we were, you'd think I knew exactly where I was going. I sure did. I was following the trails that I'd set down with the Ray Marine, and that's a, a perfect example you know, how many years? It, I mean, I'm sure it took David Iverson 30 years to learn all those cuts and all the marshes and everything that you've got to go through. All he had to do was show it to me one time, and I just painted the boat going back.
2: And it definitely uh, it makes it safer, and it makes it better to be able to target species and get to where you need to go without hopefully, uh, you know, finding the bottom somewhere.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, what else is there? You you can't. I'm sure you can't. Let me. What's the, what's the biggest political thing going on right now? You got to ask me something that's gonna. You know, I have to think about for a second so I don't get in trouble.
2: <laughs> Wayne, I'm sure you've got a political bombshell that we could that we can drop on Mark Davis.
0: <laughs> Come on, throw throw it at me.
2: The, yeah, the, the biggest thing going on here
0: in eastern
1: me. North Carolina right now is the uh, the summer flounder fishery. People are up in arms on that. There's uh, been some new regulations that were put forth here recently, and uh, they're going to be shutting flounder down in North Carolina for commercial and recreational anglers in, in October there's, for, a, for a period of time to let the fish recover. And there's just a whole lot of, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on with that. So I'll ask you your opinion on uh, on flounder fishing right now, on the flounder populations. What do you think is going on with flounder?
0: i am probably, you know, I'll, I'll start by saying I haven't flounder fished up there a whole lot. Um, I have noticed in a lot of places that I do go flounder fishing and have gone flounder fishing that you don't catch as many of them as you used to. It's not to say that you don't catch them at all. I mean, I'm from South Carolina. I live right dead in the middle of the state in Columbia. Uh, probably the main area that I fish more than anywhere else is right there in Charleston, Charleston Harbor, And we've had similar discussions to the North Carolina boys in terms of the flounder fisheries. You know, you get a little further north, you get better flounder fishing up around Myrtle Beach and start getting up around Georgetown. That's where you start getting into South Carolina, you know, flounder fishing. And there's guys that not to say that they don't catch them. I mean, I I know I'm going to get texts, emails, and Facebook messages from people sending me pictures of flounder. And that's great. I guess all I would say is, you know, I mean, it goes all the way back, I, to quote Bill Dance, you know, keep what you can eat and release the rest. Um, I think you get into a point as an angler, I've been guilty of it, we've all been guilty of it, you you get a limit set and you go out to catch your limit and that's your goal, that's your plan, that's what you're trying to do is to catch your limit. We've gotten to be so good as a recreational And I'm not going to talk about the commercial aspect of it because I'd be just making it up as I go along. And I'm not a commercial fisherman. I don't know about commercial fishing, and I don't know what they do and what they don't do. But the one thing that I can tell you for an absolute fact, just by the huge amount of – I've got 36,000 fans on Big Water Adventures. And I can tell you that of those 36,000, there is a large, large percentage of them that are recreational anglers and really good at it. They send me pictures all the time. My point is that we've gotten to be so good as recreational anglers, even if you're fishing out of, you know, when I started, I surely wasn't using the equipment that I'm using now. I started at the bottom of the totem pole, just like everybody else, fishing from the surf, fishing on a headboat. But I can tell you that it's much easier now with what we've got You know, accessibility to. You can get on a website, you can get on point click fish. You want to know where the flounder are biting? It'll tell you where they're biting. You know, there's so many ways for us to go get that limit now that as stewards of the fishery, we just have to be real careful that we're not doing such a good job at fishing and such a good job of getting our limit that we go ahead and resource ourselves out of a species. So, without commenting on whether or not it's right, wrong, or otherwise, because I don't know the numbers there specifically, I would tell you that you got to stop and think about it. You know, as a recreational angler, it starts with you. I'm as guilty as anybody else. I've gone out and caught. I've been with Jay. I've gone out caught my limit, put it in the you know in the cooler, gone home eating what I can eat fresh, and giving away some to my friends, and that's okay. But when you get more and more people doing that, and you yep. get more and more people doing it often and doing it well, then you start getting to a point where, you know, there's only so many fish.
1: Uh there's no doubt there's a lot of pressure on the flounder population and, and admittedly it's harder and harder now to, to find a limit of legal fish. So I'm I'm glad to see that they're making some, some changes in the regulation, but it's definitely got a lot of people up in arms that you know, the flounder in October and November is one of the best flounder season there is and and their uh, state of North Carolina decided they're gonna they're gonna shut that fishery down so that fish have a chance to recover, which I think a lot of the recreational anglers are, are behind that, so it's uh, well, a well good move for the resource
0: I, I can put a I can put a little bent on it to kind of throw a semi hand grenade back in your lap anytime a state looks at a regulation and decides to manage a fishery within its own state boundaries. Generally, there's some pretty good solid evidence and science behind that. And not to, you know, give away too many cards is my personal thought on the ARS situation, but when you take a species that is a, you know, not by and large, but it's state and federal waters, you take a species like the American Red Snapper and you put a blanket regulation that is going to, if they had their way, the feds, would go from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to north of you guys, You're kind of looking at way too much biomass, way too big an area. And in my opinion, you know, I know the the concept because then you're going to be looking at, okay, well, what if a, a giant bluefin tuna comes by Hatteras in the state of North Carolina, thinks that you ought to be able to kill it, but it was on its way up the northeast coast all the way to Prince Edward Island. I get that. But there needs to be, you know, when I see a regulation coming from the state of North Carolina with the state of North Carolina's biologists, wildlife fisheries, you know, recreational fisheries, commercial fisheries, all taken into consideration, I tend to be much more uh, believing in that data than just a blanket, let's go ahead and throw this at it from a federal standpoint and make everybody do it.
1: Well, I know Captain Jay don't know much about flounder, so we want to ask his opinion. He's just just the man that catches the most flounder on the show on, on the show with us right now. He
2: is uh, a well to be known for
1: catching them. Jay, what he do you say about the flounder stuff?
2: Uh, I, you broke up. I, did, I didn't hear what you said. Say it again.
1: I, I was just saying you don't know how to catch a flounder.
2: Yeah, I've, uh, I've had to, to struggle to pull a few up uh, over my side. Oh, come on now. Um, yeah, come on now. Yeah, I seem, I seem to like to do a little plunder fishing myself, so that's that's something that I'd definitely uh, like to see. I, you know, I definitely think the whole process has definitely become extremely political against the recreational and commercial side, and uh, hopefully we can get in the right direction and, and get things back on track. I know that they believe that the, the shutdown will help the fishery, um, if it doesn't divide the fishery, which it sounds like it's done with a lot of the meetings between the commercial and recreational side. But hopefully, we can make strides in the right direction and be able to uh, help the fishery come back stronger because, I mean, they've already made the decision. That's what they're going to do. So hopefully, it helps push it in the positive direction and we can hopefully get back on track and have a strong flounder fishery. Uh, at the end
0: of the day,
1: it's all about what's good for the fishery.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Jay, because, you know, you guys have got the flounder fishery going on in North Carolina. You can almost go state by state pretty much everywhere the ocean touches, and even on the West Coast. And every state and conglomeration of states, of course, you know, we're not even going to talk about the stripers and the rockfish going all the way up. You know, the biomass is moving back and forth and hitting those major metro areas, and you've basically got a coastal pelagic there. That's what I was talking about. I mean, you know, people need to to understand and have access to these little what you would consider small state regional battles that are going on inshore and offshore for these the the, the different species of game fish inshore and offshore because they're happening in every state. There's halibut issues and and uh lingcod issues in Alaska. There's salmon issues in Alaska. There's Literally, these things are happening state by state by state. It's very similar, and I think it's really going on for the for for lack of a better word, without anybody noticing if you're more than a hundred miles away. Um, and and it's something that I don't know how to fix it, but we all definitely need to be vigilant as anglers and understand that you know if if you don't put uh, you know a little bit of a tension span into the North Carolina flounder fishery and North Carolina does that. Well, you're crazy if you don't think that North Carolina is not going to share those regulations and data with South Carolina officials and say, hey, if you guys don't know what to do, try what we do. You know, so... It's
1: just, it's just a reminder that these fish are a, a very valuable public trust resource, and, and you're right. We've got to do whatever we feel likes best to, to keep it sustainable for all involved.
2: But, Mark, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, the biggest thing is... is is there needs to be more conversations like we're having on the radio show about educating people on the topics, and and so they can educate themselves on what's going on and attend these public events so they understand what decisions are being made, what the science, what the data is, so they can uh, form an opinion themselves to be able to um, agree or disagree with the decisions that are being made, but a lot of people are not educating themselves on the facts of what actually is going on.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it's the tail wags the dog on that one, Jay, because you'd probably have to do a lot of digging. First, you'd have to even know that that's, it, that's going on. You'd have to know that there's even an issue like that going on. Then you'd have to be able to seek out the resource to find the data to form your own opinion. And then why would you do all that if there's really not anything you can do about it? You know, so – it's a situation that needs to be fixed from an angler standpoint instead of arguing about, well, the commercial guys are doing it, the recreational guys are doing it. You know, if we can't agree to disagree or we can't all get along and be on the same page, we need to at least make sure that everybody that is reading the book has the information. So, you know, you at least have an an educated opinion on something and then we need to give people a forum, you know, by which to actually affect it, which, You know, that's a grand scheme, and it's a great thing, and it sounds like a wonderful thing we ought to all be able to do, but until we actually start seeking out the information, knowing the the, uh, uh, issues, and fundamentally trying to see if you can affect it as a group, you're pretty much just going to sit there and, you know, read the regulations every year and see what they did.
2: I mean, that's a great point. And, you know, like I said, it's being able to, talk about it, be educated the best you can, and hopefully, like you said, there's an, a, an avenue or a platform to where hopefully change can be made. That's him, Mark. We're always think, good for coming, coming in with some deep some deep salts and some uh, hot topics and regulations. We're, we're always good for that with you when we get on the aren't we?
0: You know, when you spend, I don't even know, 200, I think I did 260 days on the road this year. I don't know how many hours in the truck. And I've got nobody to talk to but myself, and I have some amazing conversations and breakthroughs.
2: (laughs) You know, we should start putting a camera in the truck, and we should start recording that and make that part of the show, Mark.
0: I think we talked about that. I'm going to need to get a I, – I believe that, that would not be the correct forum for the outdoor channel. I'm going to need something on HBO or Showtime or <laughs> something something a little more liberal than the outdoor channel to control all my thought processes when it's not edited.
2: <laughs> something, something with a more appropriate rating is what you're saying, right? Yes,
0: yes. Perhaps a warning before every episode.
2: So <laughs> Well, Mark, as always, it's amazing to have you on the show. We definitely, looking back on 2015, it just, and and our hundredth episode would not be the same without having you on here with us. Um, we, we enjoy having you on the show, traveling with you, filming with you. It's always a pleasure, and we absolutely love the show. And it was an honor, Mark, to be a part of it this year. I know we've we've threatened to do it in the past, and things fell into place and. People are going to get to watch us on Big Water Adventures with uh, the Point Quick Fish, 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 and Cap Mitchell Blake with you on the air.
0: Well, and and we're already scheduled to do it again, so you know, even better. When when am I going to see you again? Is it going to be eerie?
2: I hope not. That seems, that seems far away, but I guess when you really think about it, it's really not that far away, is it?
0: no no um you know you guys we've had this discussion before but for the the people listening um you know the media event we do up at lake erie is going back to my roots smallmouth bass lake trout we've got all the major publications there and in freshwater. and we i invited you know jay with point click fish i don't know three years ago i guess now and i think it's been kind of a a you're into getting into a little bit of freshwater stuff and expanding your range a little bit, which I think there's an absolute market to do it. But the, the, the better thing is, is it takes somebody from my perspective, it takes somebody like me that is constantly on camera, constantly, you know, working when I'm fishing and there's no cameras up there. I go up there and I shuttle guys out. I'm one of the guides and I take guys out fishing and you and I get to brainstorm about stuff like this and have a good time and, um, you know, I, I absolutely enjoy it every year, and if that's the next time I get to see you, it's really only about three months away, so, you know, not a big deal.
2: Well, I think, you, you know, and, and, and maybe another show we can talk about the Lake Erie area, but like you said, three years ago I went up there for the first time, and, and I've always done freshwater, saltwater fishing. I grew up doing a lot of freshwater fishing, but that that fishing there is amazing. Um, you know, we stayed in the Lewiston, New York area and fish uh, Lake Ontario, Lake Erie. I mean, it, it is amazing. Um, I'd never fished up there before. And uh, like I said, hopefully on another show, maybe we can get Frank Campbell on here with us, Mark, and talk about that, that fishery up there. It's amazing. And, I, and I'd never been there before.
0: That'd be outstanding. And, you know, about the only thing you don't see is Andy Griffith and Opie walking down Lewiston Main Street with a cane pole. I mean it, that that place is Mayberry. It's it, 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 you would not if if I took anybody that's never been there and correct me if I'm wrong. If I spun you around three times, blindfolded you, and dropped you in the middle middle of Lewiston, New York, and asked you to pick a state that you were in, it, New York would probably be twenty or twenty fifth on the list.
2: Yeah, I told you know I told you this week that you know we actually bought uh, our mom a. Uh, Trip to Lewiston so she could check it out because it's it's a beautiful area, and um, you know it's I didn't even know it existed to be honest with you. I I knew the Lake Erie area, but Lewiston area specifically. And then to top it off, the fishing is amazing. So, yep, If if you're a freshwater,
0: yeah. If you're if you're a freshwater guy, and you you know, let's say you got a bucket list that includes, say, a six pound smallmouth, a ten pound walleye, and a twenty pound lake trout. You can do them all in, in one week, on in, in a good week, which is usually the first week of May. You could get your six-pound smallmouth, your 20-pound laker. You could probably catch some kings, 10-pound walleye. I mean, it's just it, that fish tree, <laughs> you would not expect it. If you hadn't been up there before, you wouldn't expect it. And it's something that, you know, I started doing it, I think, man, it's it's been close to 20 years now. I don't know if we're – I think we're on our 18th year this year and. Every freshwater publication that you've ever heard of or ever read has been there at some point in time, and most of them go every year. We've had several, you know, TV shows that are up there. But that's the one place where I absolutely refuse to answer any business questions or do any business because I'm seeing 20 or 30 friends that I've had for, you know, going on 20 years now.
2: Well, I tell you, if it is the next time I see you, I look forward to it. Maybe we can see each other before then, but I definitely look forward to Erie and uh, getting back up there and going for those large, smallmouth bass. I tell you, that's a uh, amazing, amazing fishery, Mark, but be safe on the road. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to watching this year's season of Big
0: Water Adventures. Well, happy hundreds, guys, and I can't thank you enough. I'm always, a pr- you know, it's a privilege for me to come on the show, and you know my phone number, brother. I'm always good for an hour anytime you want it.
2: Well, we definitely appreciate it, Mark. And safe travels on the road, and we'll definitely be in touch and look forward to having you back on the show soon.
0: Thanks, guys.
2: Take care, Mark. All right, Mark. Thank you. Wayne, I think it is awesome to have Mark Davis and Big Water Adventures on the show with us. I mean, as you can see, I mean, Mark's just, I mean, super easy to talk to and, and loves to talk about fishing, Big Water Adventures as sponsors, You name it, as long as you start talking fishing, Mark Davis is ready to go. Just like I
1: mentioned when we were talking earlier, you know, his passion for fishing just comes across, you know, whether it's on TV or on the radio show. He's not a, you know, I'm not afraid to, you know, talk about issues that are at hand. Uh, A lot of people who have, you know, sponsors and worried about their image will will hold back talking about fisheries politics. But it's just a breath of fresh air to hear somebody, you know, of his nature who's made a name for himself in the industry who's uh who's willing to you know come on the show where it's kind of unscripted we're sitting here in the studio trying to uh you know just make it as entertaining as possible and he is uh you know an an open book when it comes to question and answer
2: yeah it's fair game with mark you can ask him whatever you want to and uh he's ready to go And we definitely appreciate uh you know his his willingness to come on the show and join us and with our hundred hundredth episode, and also being able to to recap 2015 that's such a big deal. I'm so excited to have him as part of it. But speaking of 2015, man, what a busy year for Point Click Fish. I tell you, we are uh, you know Wayne and I, you and I were talking about all the events that uh, the Point Click Fish team had gone. Whether yeah, I mean we kicked off last year going to the Bassmaster Classic. I mean that's yeah. that was kind of uh, that was a first for me. Um, they asked us to, to have you ever been, and uh, yeah, James Hall with, Bass, with Bassmaster Magazine said, "Hey, you guys have never been. You need to go to this thing." And uh, hey, uh, we kicked off last year with uh, the Bassmaster Classic.
1: Yeah, it continues to give you the opportunity, as Mark said, to kind of expand into the freshwater community, which is. You know the roots of where both of us, you know, started our saltwater fishing. I didn't grow up on the coast. You didn't grow up on the coast. Some of the first fishing either one of us ever did was targeting largemouths. So to, uh, you know, see you guys have the chance to travel down south and, uh, you know, adventure into that field and see what a production that was uh, through the through the broadcast that you guys did and you know the, the the website information that you put out on that show was just really entertaining and really engaging and certainly a great way to kick off the year and. You know, as we came into that spring season, the, the fishing along the coast kicked off. We had a great fishing uh, season off our coast, and certainly not a weekend that went by. It was uh, hard for us to be on the water much because, I mean, you were constantly on the road, sometimes two or three different tournaments at a time uh, that you were covered, covering with the team. So it's, uh, you know, out of all of them, what was the what was the highlight out of the year for you, the live tournament coverage that you
2: did, Jake? And I'll tell you, you know, what, what's interesting about the tournaments that we do is we, we over the years we've been able to grow uh, and be part of so many different events. And, and some of them are at one end of the spectrum where they, you know, have and do everything and they've got it all figured out. Other events are trying to get to that point and growing and building. And one of the things for us has been to grow with the tournament to figure yeah. out what their goals are. What their focus is, what they would like to do, what they would like to cover, whether it's streaming or pictures or interviews or radio, it, it, that's been the the best part about the whole series or live tournament coverage series as a whole is to grow and build with each one of them. You know, as as most of our listeners know, we have a, a web background and we've been in the web industry um, for man, eighteen years now. And so we help other people as well build their platform, whether it's for their tournament or for their um, their company. So we're able to take that knowledge and be more than just a camera setting up to stream. So being able to increase their social media presence, to create their streaming, to create their website, um, you know, to give them more exposure from the interview platform. That's what's been the fun piece is going to these tournaments and doing that. And some of these tournaments we've been doing for three and four years now. Um, and obviously, we, you know, we went to the ICAST piece, um, and that was fun. But getting back to the live tournament coverage, that's why it's so exciting for us in 2016, because we're implementing multiple trailers, uh, multiple teams again. But in the past, we've had, you know, one trailer that we go to these events and now we've had two and three events on the same weekend with multiple teams going. So implementing this new technology and new platforms such as the trailer and the truck, to be able to get that to cover more events, to increase our capabilities has been something, as you know, that we've been excited to to grow and build over the years. Yeah. Well,
1: there's, there's no doubt that you were burning the road up and, Certainly on the road covering a lot of different areas uh it was also really special to have the uh you know the s k a nationals right here in our own backyard too so i I know that that's a tournament that you covered all up and down the Atlantic seaboard, but to see it to come back home here in, in Eastern North Carolina was really cool and the uh you know the fact that we had some good friends that uh, that did pretty good in that tournament series this year certainly didn't hurt either
2: like well, yeah it was such an honor to work with the s k and the uh... The national championship there in Moorhead City, and also with the radio show, there, the SK Road to Nationals that we did this year, uh, kind of following that path as it led to the national championship. It was an honor to work with them and to to cover the sport of king mackerel fishing. Um, that's something to where you know kingfish, billfish, redfish, trout, and surf fishing permits we have been able to cover over the years. So. The King Mackerel Arena was something that we definitely uh, are excited about. Uh, We have a lot of friends, as you said, that are that fish those tournament series. So we definitely look forward to doing more uh, with the sport of King Mackerel fishing, the teams, and the SKA as a whole, or any other tournament series. Other tournament series as well. Does it look at that King Mackerel tournament series that's building in North Carolina? Um, You know, it's a high-stakes tournament series where they have high payouts. Um, It's in Beaufort, North Carolina, and at the boathouse, and on an awesome year, king mackerel fishing started out a little slow in North Carolina, but it ended up with a uh, with a bang, because uh, yeah. Captain Jody Gay with Team Blue Water Candy uh, caught that 68-pound, uh, 67, 68-pound king mackerel in North Carolina, and I believe... That it is the largest king mackerel caught in the tournament um, in this area. Without it's not the whole East Coast. I'm not positive on that, but there was a, I think it's the largest on the East Coast or largest in this area. But I mean, it it was an impressive catch. But um, traditionally, king mackerel fishing in North Carolina ends up getting better um, later in the season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know great to cover that tournament series, and of course we've. Had our hand in helping out with some red drum action here along the coast, the redfish tournaments that uh, you partner with, with uh, Captain Matt Lamb at Chasing and Tails Outdoors and you know, John Moore with Hook and Bones in the town of Swansboro. Um, you know, a great, great series there too. It was fun to uh, to watch the weigh-ins and to keep up with what was going on in our area with uh, the red drum tournaments as well.
2: Really, what what happened with the with the um, the Carolina Richards series? was there was a need for uh, redfish tournaments in North Carolina. It was something where some of those tournaments had kind of either, you know, kind of dissolved or they just weren't happening anymore. And a lot of the teams were looking for an avenue to fish. I mean, you've got some excellent redfishing teams in North Carolina and they needed a series to fish. So we got together. Uh, John Moore already had the the Swansboro Hook and Bones tournament. We combined that as part of our series and we had a four tournament series this year. Um, The final event due to weather is postponed uh, to the spring of this year, so we will actually have the championship for last year's tournament this year. But that's been fun to be able to grow and build that series, Um, and the tournament committee is meeting here uh, in a week or two to discuss tournament dates and how many tournaments there will be uh, in the coming year yeah it's
1: uh it's it's just exciting to continue to see the uh you know, the point point click fish network and continue to expand and be involved in uh different aspects of our saltwater and now even the you know, the freshwater fishing in uh the mid atlantic states and it's uh yeah, it's exciting to be a part of it jay the uh you know the recreational anglers as we said in two thousand fifteen had a had a great year um certainly a lot of uh you know a lot of great fishing off our coast and all up and down the mid atlantic seaboard and uh de- definitely looking to uh 2016
2: to be if not as good, hopefully even better. Yeah, there's another. There were two more tournaments that I wanted to, to hit on this yeah, year, definitely. and you know, working with some of these charity tournaments is good. And the Dare County Boat Builders is always a fun run mm-hmm. course to go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina to work with the boat builders and the foundation uh, to be able to send uh, kids in Dare County to school. They give college scholarships to kids uh, in the Dare County area. And It was uh, designed initially uh, to support uh, a family that was in the Outer Banks uh, to uh, a boat builder. Um, to, to, he passed away, and they helped his children go to college. And then after that, they decided to continue it, and now they produce scholarships for Dare County children to go to school. So it's something to where we watch those boat builders come together and uh, fish for a great cause, is awesome, and then leading after that, we're back in the Outer Banks again for the uh, Alice Kelly and the Pirates Cove Billfish Tournament, this year they had some new changes, and definitely stirred up a lot of new people coming, and very exciting, Um, they definitely look forward to expanding and growing that tournament, and that's an event for years now, we've really enjoyed being part of, and watching them grow, and it's going to be exciting to see what they have to offer this year because they really stepped it up last year. But apparently, they've got big plans for 2016 as well.
1: Yeah, well, the uh, the, the tournament series and coverage up in the Outer Banks really also brings to light up the history of that area. You know, you mentioned the boat builders tournament and you know, seeing all those guys coming together for such a great event, and kind of recognizing that it's uh, you know just such a great destination for for offshore fishing, uh, close proximity to the Gulf Stream a variety of different species that can be caught in our waters just because of the, uh, you know, the influence of the stream and uh, the Labrador Current. And uh, there's just a lot of history that uh, you're able to tell some of that
2: story while you're up there. And another thing, too, that uh, you know we wanted to let people know, we definitely uh, heard our followers and fans loud and clear. A lot of you say how much you love the radio show and you love listening to it, and uh, gave us some great feedback on um, specific shows that you would like for us or to to do, or people to interview, or species or topics to cover. So Wayne and Tyson are going to work very hard to be able to bring you some awesome pod, uh, podcast radio shows with some great um, interviews and topics and discussions. And that's something where that we look forward to grow the radio show, Wayne, and be able to bring yeah. them. Um, some great content i mean that's something that we've gotten a lot of feedback as we went to these events is hey guys we love listening to the radio show and it's really cool to get that feedback so anytime you see us and you listen let us know it's something that we'd love to hear or hey guys i'd love for you to talk or interview so and so hey we'll we'll contact them talk to them bring them on the show and interview them yeah
1: i've got a hundred down now and uh you know, it's real easy when you're covering the tournament trail and you're all over the place and we've both got families. It's uh, it's real easy to kind of neglect certain aspects of what we do, but we, uh, we're dedicated. We're going to make sure every Thursday night we're uh, we're here together on, on, in the studio making this show happen and, uh, as you said, coming excited to be coming up with some new topics, interviewing people all up and down the Mid-Atlantic, not just here in North Carolina, but we plan on doing a series on travel. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking with some, some anglers and professional captains down in the South Florida area costa rica um you know mexico we we want to cover the entire uh mid-atlantic fishery and, and even the pacific fishery so you know w- our goal is to branch out and to uh you know connect with people outside of our area obviously we're based here out of Morehead city and it's kind of low-hanging fruit real easy for us to you know get people on the air from within our community but we're we're looking for people in in other parts up and down the mid-atlantic states and it's, you know, it's as far away as california and uh costa rica you know hawaii we want to uh you know, to kind of highlight all aspects of the saltwater and even freshwater fishery, and uh, that's something we're really excited about. Definitely excited to be back on the air with you. It's a uh, you know great opportunity for me to uh, you know share my passion for fishing and and to learn a lot. I can't say how much I learn, and I, and I hope our audience is learning with us as we're uh, you know interviewing some of the best in the uh, in the industry, including like today with Captain Mark Davis. You know we're uh, we're real fortunate to have connections with individuals like him and. You know, we want to bring that uh, that out in the in that limelight and, and make sure that we're, you know, including that in our radio show and, and reaching out to others.
2: You know, I think one of the biggest takeaways from the 100th episode, um, you know, show with us as we've grown over the years is, is the the biggest piece is to have the right team in place to be able to to make this network run. And we've got an awesome team now in place. For live events, for the radio show, social media, um, you know, marketing, websites. I mean, we've got a great team in place, but that's been the key is with growing Point Click Fish is getting those right people in place to do the job. And I tell you, you know, Wayne, as you know, we've got a team that's just awesome. You are listening to the show, and you would like us to come to your event to stream it or be part of it, or if you'd like to be on the radio show or if you have yeah. a topic, or if you're a captain and you're going, man, I'd like to get on that show, email us, contact us, call us. We'd love to talk to you, and uh, look forward to getting you on, on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an opportunity
1: for us to to share what you're doing out on the water with an, our audience, and, and as you said, we want our audience to continue to grow and reach out to others. Um, and Of course, you can listen to us live on Thursday nights starting at 8 o'clock, but as you mentioned, we're also excited to be able to expand our podcast coverage and be able to listen to us, you know, the next day at work, on the car, you know, wherever you're at, whenever it's convenient.
2: You know, Wayne, also one of the things that, you know, our sponsors that have been so good to us in 2015 and leading into 2016, I mean, Crystal Coast Graphics. I mean, Chris and his team there, you know, boat wrap signs, uh, business cards, posters, you name it. You think of it, they can do it. They can wrap it. They can put a banner on it. They can print it. You, you name it. You think of it, they can do it with the graphics business. Rigid Industries LED lighting. Um, we've got we've got a few tricks up our sleeves with the new trailer and this uh, new truck project that we're working on with the Rigid team. So that that pro- those projects definitely have a bright future thanks to Rigid LED lighting. And then Hook Performance Fishing. I tell you. The hook gear is awesome. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, you guys are sponsoring you work with them. I, I love this stuff. I wear it all the time. And I've got the hook puffer jacket now that I've been wearing since I've been here in Virginia. And it is the warmest, lightest jacket. And it's, it's, it's awesome. But we definitely think hook performance fishing, rigid industries, LED lighting, and Crystal Coast Graphics for their support of what we've done this year. And also another one, too, is um, the Spot GPS and satellite telephone company. They've been awesome with us. We've been able to use their technology when we travel and when we're on the water and having those satellite telephone calls to bring you live tournament coverage from the water during these fishing tournaments is going to be key in 2016 and you're going to hear a lot of on the water interviews from teams from all over the place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. We wouldn't be able to do if it wasn't for the, for those that help support our, uh, you know, our efforts. And it's, uh, it's, it's important that we've uh, been able to build some, some great relationships with some, you know, just outstanding companies, leaders in the industry. And again, just a testament to the, uh, to the growth of the network and how we've, uh, you know, started from you know humble beginnings, uh, you know, with a, a lot of social media presence, to now being you know all up and down the Mid Atlantic coast and live tournament coverage constantly. Something's going on every week, and it's nice to uh to be back on the radio show with you, where we can keep people updated with everything.
2: Well, and I look forward to kicking off 2016. This is you know our first show and for the new year, but well, we definitely look forward to action-packed. Thursday evenings at 8 PM Eastern Standard Time. But if you don't, if you didn't catch us during that time frame, you can find us on iTunes. You can download us there, and then also you can go to SaltwaterFishingRadio.com. The shows are posted there as well, or we'll be posting the shows on PointClickFish.com. I tell you, Wayne. Thanks again for the kicking off 2016 and getting the radio show kicked in high gear, and we look forward to a great year.
1: Yes, sir, most definitely looking forward to next week, and, uh, you know, we thank our audience for tuning in.
2: We definitely look forward to hearing you with us next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Center Time. Until then, everybody, stay safe in the water, and we'll meet you back here at pointcoach.com.
0: hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information, show notes, updates, or to join the saltwater fishing community, visit pointclickfish.com. Don't forget to catch live streams and future shows at saltwaterfishingradio.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe on the water and tight lines.